Now as we go to the word, we look to the Lord. We need to hear from him. He is the rock. He is the only one who cannot be shaken. When everything is being shaken that cannot can be shaken, he said, because he is giving us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And only the word of God and the spirit of God will bring clarity in our lives. What we receive and what we are building, is it Babylon or is it the kingdom of God? So Father, we need to hear your voice once again. Speak to us, O Lord, speak to us. Open ears, open heavens, understanding. Understanding, Lord, help us to understand. Help us to understand. Help us to believe. Help us to obey. Give us that strength each day to stand firm. Walk with you. To agree with everything that you have said and you say. And only we can walk with you. A closer and a closer walk with you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come at this time into the hands. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Please, please fasten your seat belts. There will definitely be turbulence on the way. Okay? And, uh, we have to be shaken by God, not by man, by God as we go so that we are able to see very clearly in our own personal lives what is of God and what is not of God. We've been looking at the kingdom of God. We've been looking at why it's so important because in the book of Hebrews, the Spirit of God wants us once more before the end comes. He will shake everything and we see everything that man has built is being shaken and uh, it's no clue man has no clue what to do there is a shaking that is taking place because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and the gospel was the gospel is was is and will be the gospel of the kingdom and the problem is people have mixed so many things to the gospel and the gospel is no more the gospel of the kingdom so we have to come back to the gospel of the kingdom and we saw the gospel of the kingdom begins, the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom begins with John the Baptist. And its actual beginning, the beginning of the kingdom is when Jesus breathes upon his disciples. Individually, I believe he breathes upon them and they receive his spirit. They are born again and the kingdom comes now inside. The kingdom begins with power. Another 50 days later, it comes with power. It is manifested when the Holy Spirit comes. Ten days earlier, or for those ten days, nobody knew those 120. When the Holy Spirit knew, came, all of Jerusalem knew. It couldn't be hidden anymore. The whole of Jerusalem knew 
the kingdom of God had arrived. They did not know it was a kingdom that arrived. The proclamation, everybody knew. Jerusalem was shaken. Okay, so please remember, the power, the person behind the proclamation and the power of the kingdom is the Holy Spirit. That's why we are looking at it. And we looked at it to recap your memory. Two things that need to happen before Jesus Christ comes. The second coming of Jesus Christ. One, the gospel has to be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. It's okay to preach the gospel, the undiluted gospel. And because people don't like the gospel, you know, Christians especially, not the non-Christian. There's been such hostility to the gospel in the last days. Okay, it's like Jeremiah preaching to Israel. There will be such hostility, but it still has to be preached. Because we do not know who is going to get saved. So we see, even in the midst of it, people are getting saved. Like countless people are getting saved. So we have to preach. For that, you need the fire of the Holy Spirit. You need to be like Jeremiah who says, I cannot stop because it is like fire shut in my bones. So that fire is from the Holy Spirit. Because that fire is from the Holy Spirit. That is the zeal. Wisdom alone won't do that zeal to proclaim the gospel and to be the witness of Jesus Christ wherever God has placed you. To be a witness and to proclaim the gospel, you need the fire of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that fire should no, never go out. And you can have the incredible mentor like Paul and Timothy's fire can go down. Go down and he says, fan it back to flames. And we consistently have to see, keep on fanning it back to flames. Keep on feeding it and fanning it back to flames so that the fire does not go out. Remember, the fire should not go out. That's the commandment in the old covenant. The fire should not go out. Second thing is, is the fire of purification. The Holy Spirit's fire is that removes the dross. And only he can do it. He will come into us. We invite him like the refiner's fire. Okay, the launderer's soap and prepare the bride. Please remember, we have so much confusion about rapture and Jesus allows it to be. Because he says, no man knows the day and the hour. He'll allow that confusion. Three different schools or four schools, five schools, all kinds of schools are there. Oh, whether there is rapture, pre, mid, post, no rapture at all, all schools are there. So it does not matter. Why did Jesus leave it? That one thing unsettled, it's because he's coming for the bride. Is coming for the bride. And the bride should be ready. She should be spotless, blameless, unspotted by the world. Unspotted by the world. That's what the word says. Unspotted by the word. world. Okay, so he's coming for her. And how does one get unspotted by the world when the world is all around us? Only by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the word and the spirit sanctifies us. The fire sanctifies. So keep that in the in the background. So in the process of looking at it, we were with Elijah. Elijah asked this question. Remember, the, like the, it was like the what we say the first lockdown or the second lockdown. The first lockdown was when God locked uh, Noah in the ark. Okay, that was the first lockdown. The second lockdown is Elijah's lockdown. Three and a half years, okay? Three and a half years of lockdown. And you would think after three and a half years, people would have hard, a hard life and all the difficulties of food and water, primary 
basic necessities are such acute shortage you would think that all this problem people would have died on during the famine people would think that in spite of all this people's heart would be ready to move towards god and you see that's not the case that's not the case jezebel has killed all the prophets of the lord and the remaining 100 are hidden in two caves 7000 others are incognito nobody even knows them even elijah doesn't know them Obadiah doesn't know them. The prophets of God do not know them. Only God knows them. People have just disappeared, and there's only one man standing between complete destruction and revival. It is Elijah. So when God looked for one man, He found Elijah. So at the end of three and a half years, He sends Elijah to King Ahab. This is his second appearance before King Ahab, and says, "Call all the prophets of Baal. Let's have a." competition literally okay call them mukabla okay it's a one on one on mount carmel and there you will see in first kings chapter 18 and verse 21 he asked this question elijah came to all the people and said how long will you falter between two opinions how long how long will how long does it take like like jose says no uh, it was say Joel multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision on the day of the lord if people still haven't made up their minds five months five and a half months of pandemic the sixth month this year a lot of people who still haven't made up their minds and he says how long will he falter between two opinions if god is god follow him if baal follow him and you have to see that what we were trying to teach in the previous weeks God is an idea, an ideology. God is a, has an ideology. It's an opinion. Baal is an idea, an ideology. There is a God, there's a person, and the way a person thinks. As a man thinketh, so you see, there's a way which God thinks, the way God operates. That's an opinion. There is a way when the world works, ways in world works, and their ideas and opinions, that is Baal. and god says make up your mind okay and it's not a, it, you have to make up your mind because the same question in deuteronomy 30 we saw that and verse 19 is put across and not just as opinions it is i said before you life and death what you believe what you believe <laughs> could mean life or could mean death life or death it's simply a question of life and death you know when we go to icus he'll say hanging between life and death okay and god says it is life and death people do not realize what you believe it's a question between eternal life and eternal death it's not a, that opinion is not a, don't just go over it doesn't matter it does matter it does matter these ideas mad ideologies can kill you or give you life in joshua it is put across it will determine ultimately who you are serving in joshua 24 verse 14 and 15 who you are serving is there any point in the deliverance god brought over you in egypt he brought you out of egypt so that you would worship him and serve him alone therefore fear god and serve him in sincerity and truth put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river serve lord if it seems evil to you to serve the lord choose yourself this day 
whom you will serve. So, the, so there are these two opinions. What is that you believe? Will end up in who you serve, which will end up in where you reach. Eternal life or eternal death. And we don't realize how important these days are. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, God says, it will be either rapture or or capture. Rapture or capture. It will be rapture or capture. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. You are sitting in the middle. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you, spit you out of my mouth. Okay, so please remember, this is how it works. So there is Elijah standing before the people. Now please remember, why do we come to Elijah? Elijah, like Moses, uh, is one of the most important people in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. One of the most important. Some people were very, very important in the Bible. One is Abraham. Okay, though they have others, Abraham for us is the most important when you start in that order because he's the father of faith. Isaac is there, Jacob is there. Jacob is important for Israel because he becomes Israel. But for us, Abraham is the most important. After that comes Moses because he gives the law. Out of the law, we understand truth when the spirit comes. So Moses is important. After that comes Elijah. Elijah. Elijah is very important. You see, I'll show you the importance of, because these are prophetic pictures. If you turn with me to the first Kings chapter 17, and verse 21 to 24, why are we looking at Elijah and this particular passage? This is the widow. Remember, he's been sent from Kerith to Zarephath, a poor Samaritan widow's house, and he's there, and uh, she is struggling, and... Uh, Miracle happens because she believes and then she's got only a son and that son dies. And he says, why did you come here to remind me of my sin? Okay, she's able to associate something in the past with the death of her son. Okay, so he takes the child to the upper room which he has and he puts a child over there. He stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. Okay, okay we'll leave the rest. So this there is again a prophetic picture over there. There is this widow. A widow is somebody who's lost a husband. There is a widow. Represents Israel. She's cut away from God. Because of her sin. And the next generation is dead. Dead. And you need an Elijah ministry to revive it and bring it back to life. That's exactly what he will do on Mount Carmel. And his revival ministry will birth an Elisha generation. That is the result of his ministry. But if you look at that, he stretches over him three times. Three times, Elijah. Unlike Elisha, in a similar case, only does it twice. He doesn't do it three times, because these are prophetic pictures. Three times. So the first time Elijah does it, brings forth an Elisha generation. Second time, Elijah comes in the spirit, the spirit of Elijah, or that same spirit that was upon him, comes through John the Baptist. It brings the new generation, the born-again Jesus, 
Of course, you've chose the ways to Jesus, but the church is born through that ministry. You have the Acts, the Apostles, you have another powerful ministry starting. Now there is one more left, the third one. That is in Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. And the first coming of Jesus Christ was not the dreadful day of the Lord. It was the day of the Lord's salvation. Now another day is coming. And again he will come. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. So there is one more ministry of, meaning these are types. These are types from which we learn. And if you look at each time, First time, there is a widow, because she's cut away from the life of her husband. She's a widow, and the child is dead. He brings back to life. When John the Baptist comes, again, Israel is a widow. She's cut away from Yahweh for 400 years, and he brings life back and births a new generation. Third time also, it will be simply the church. The Laodicean church will be completely almost dead. Dead. They're neither hot nor cold. You are dead. God is outside. And the Elijah ministry will birth probably the greatest overcomers history has ever seen upon whom comes the former and the latter reign. Okay, that's why we are looking at it. And only those people who are interested in these things and understand prophetic pictures, okay, will go after these things. Elijah got one Elisha. Jesus got 11 disciples and then a Paul later. So we have to look at these pictures and say, Lord, I want to be part of this. Okay. Then he asks this question. How long will you falter between these two opinions? Okay. He comes over there. How long? And if you look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. 3 and verse 10. Because we looked at 3, 15 and 16. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you. Okay, so if you look in the last days, these two churches are there. One is very small, very little strength, physically, materially in this world, but they are absolutely loyal to God. So God says two things to one church, I will keep you and I will reject you. I will keep you and I will spit you out. Two choices are given in the last day, to be kept or to be spat out. Okay. So, you cannot be neutral anymore. The time of neutrality is over. In Matthew 12 and verse 30. Matthew 12 and verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. You cannot stand anymore in the middle. And who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Time for being neutral or secular. Today's word is over. God is asking every believer to stand up and be counted. You cannot halt between two opinions anymore. You need to be very, very, very clear. The prophet of God, the prophet of God. On Mount Carmel, you see only the prophet of God. One voice, one spirit, one message. He represents all the prophets who have not compromised, so it's one voice. And prophets of Baal and Asherah. Okay, many ways lead to hell. One way lead to God and to eternal life. 
Okay. Please remember, like Elijah is speaking to Israel and not to Syria or Arabia. We are speaking to the church, not to the world. This message of Elijah is to the church. Okay. But the problem is the prophets of Baal are in Israel. The problem is the prophets of Baal have entered into the church. They have been very, very, very active in the church. Very active in the church. And the same thing was in Israel. Every season they have to have an encounter with these false ones. But they come back out of the woodwork. They multiply like rabbits. It takes 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, sometimes 40 years for God to prepare a prophet. Prophets of Baal just come out. Assembly line. They come. Jeremiah 14 and verse 14. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. They don't prophesy in the name of Baal. They are in Israel, remember. They prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, not spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Okay? So be very careful. Prophets of Baal, 850 of them are there in this case. In Matthew 15 and verse 14, let them alone. Leave them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. If the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. They may look absolutely fantastic in their robes or clothes or suit and all and all. Spiritually, they are blind. They are blind. They are not able to see the kingdom and how close the kingdom is. So close that if your ears are open, you can hear the hoof bits of the horsemen. They are blind. What this prophets, false prophets inside the church do? I'm not talking about those outside. We are not talking about even any other religion. We are not even talking about Judaism. We are talking about Christianity. They will either lead you back to the law. Anyone who is under the law is under a curse. Okay, they lead you. A big they're preparing. Next month, Rosh Hashanah is coming. They're already preparing to have a big celebration in the church. Preparing people for that. They're gone to say we have to go back to our Jewish roots. You do not know what's happening within the church. On one side, they're going back to the law and cursed is every man who comes under the law. Or they take you into the world and saying that's God's will for you. In the process, the gospel of the kingdom is lost. Hmm? Now people are halting between two opinions, Baal or Yahweh. The world or the kingdom of God. That is the compromising spirit. The spirit of compromise. Nothing is going to change. It's going to change. Okay, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 56, verse 10 to 12. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, 
lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs which never have enough. They are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain from his own territory. Come one says, I will bring wine. We will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. They are still preaching prosperity in the middle of the famine. They are not turning their eyes of the people back to God or to the kingdom of God. They are still keeping their eyes focused on the world. In Second Peter chapter 3 verses 5 to 7, Peter talks about what happens. Okay, please, and speaking slowly so that they can follow the stream. Okay, for this they willfully forget. They're not forgetting by accident. They're not forgetting by accident. They willfully forget. Who? These people. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. They're forgetting the first judgment of God. Okay? But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. They willfully forget this. But there is nothing permanent about this world. It is very, very transitional and temporary. It is being reserved for fire. Okay? And who are the ones who willfully the church, leadership of the church. They're willfully forgetting, willfully forgetting. And we have to be very, very careful. So if you go back to Elijah, you will see the altar of Baal, if you look at it, it seems to be intact. There is no making of the altar. The altar of Baal is looking good. And if you go to the altar of God, it is in ruins. It is broken down. And we have to stop there. Baal is a god of this world. The word, the, the god of primarily prosperity. That is what he does. Prosperity. Success in this world. Life in this world. God is the god of, he will take care of you in this life. He has a plan and a purpose. And everything is connected with eternity. You have the altar of Baal, which is absolutely intact. Seems to be like sacrifices were going on there probably regularly. And this one is in ruins. And God asks, look into our own individual lives and see which is in ruins and which is intact. Which is in ruins? Which is in intact? You know, I was telling the Nepali church, you know, <laughs> as a illustration, old days when you go to houses, they invite you, you know, for a meeting. You go and usually people come late. That is our Indian habit, you know, pastor reaches, people come late. So they leave me in the front room, they go to the kitchen to get something. And one of the things I do is I check their Bibles and I open it and see. Untouched usually. But if you look at the TV screen, nicely polished, everything, regularly watched, even the dust should not, no, <laughs> everything should be so clear. Now it goes bigger and bigger and quality, I don't know what are the latest one, I don't know. It's, okay, I don't know what it is. You see, how is your altar? How is your altar? Obviously, altar. What is the altar that is absolutely intact? And what is the altar that has broken down? 
God is asking this question. Okay. And God had warned Moses. He had warned through Moses. He had told Moses, this is what they will do. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 16, he had told them. Because God knows the nature of the human heart. And Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers. And these people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land, where they go to be among them. They will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. He says, okay, I know your heart. I see you are a genuine man. You are crying out for these people. You are willing to die for these people. You will, I'll give you rest. You will die with your fathers. But I'll tell you something, Moses. These people will go into idolatry. They will go into idolatry. Okay. And we saw that trend the first time in their history when Moses was out of sight. Immediately they went into idolatry and to the works of the flesh. And that's the reason we have to hear and we have to preach the gospel day and night, in season, out of season. Because there is an urgency. How many will make it? We don't know. How many will be able to come through this spirit of compromise? Compromise is sold today as tolerance. Tolerance is the only virtue in the Western world now. Okay? Tolerance is the only current virtue right now. Tolerance of evil. It's basically tolerance of evil. And God says, be very careful. Be very, very careful because we don't realize the ideas that are in our head. Every time you go into the world and you spend time in the world unnecessarily, you watch stuff unnecessarily, you don't realize you put that fire down. Compromise is slowly getting in even without you knowing. Little more, little more, little more. That's what happened. To the, it's, it's always done by Hollywood. All done by Hollywood. Okay. Everything that is marketed, they do it in stages slowly. It's like I said, you put a frog in hot water, it'll jump out. Put the frog in cold water, keep the sim. Slowly, 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 slowly. You know, and Disney, all this. First one was very nice. The second one, little, 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 little ad from the Barbie onwards. So now they are starting to project what? Gay couples in the movies, in Disney, even for children. Everything is starting to come little by little by. It didn't come in one day. But people immediately rejected and never said, never watch Disney again. They won't do it like that. Little by little by little by little by little. That's how it happens. And the problem is for the believer. The believer also, when he becomes tuned to that, he also starts taking sin lightly without knowing the consequences of it. That's how tolerance comes into a society. Tolerance of evil. But God calls evil is evil. Okay. These are all pictures in the Bible. Absolute clear pictures in the Bible. Clear pictures in the Bible. That's why, you know, we, we talk about, <laughs> like I say, we talk about U.S. quite a lot. Especially I do. Because I have to speak for the servants of U.S. They can't speak openly. They'll be shut down. Their tax empty status will go. And black pastors can't speak at all. Those mobs will come over there. You know? So we have to pray for them. But somebody has to speak. As far as I hear, nobody seems to be speaking. There's one John MacArthur here and one other person. And nobody seems to be standing up and openly saying what is really, really happening. Tolerance has been... I mean, we had, let's say, we had eight days of the convention. 
this it's it's not politics it's a spiritual battle and now it's absolutely there in the open see we pray here we pray we bind we pray cause confusion all that and god has created confusion it's right out there in the open the first four days of the dnc like john macarthur said their platform was romans chapter 1 everything god called an abomination was there they have sanctioned it all where to where they have reached they took god also out god also out and one pastor who did an invocation was screaming literally saying if you in other words he was saying if you vote for the other side you will all go to hell and i had to listen to them then you had the other side for the first time probably it was more like a church convention people were giving like testimonies but they were very open about it. i mean it was not open like every session but they were very open about their faith it was very clear very very clear very very clear they were very very clear so god has put it before the people you choose you choose which way it will go we are still not sure and are still not sure but our job is to speak up our job is to speak up never has been two choices so clear clear for a people a so called christian nation the choice is very clear whom will you choose because you don't choose you choose by what they are standing up for okay the first thing is that if i have to make a choice i need to be alive right to life is my first choice one party is standing for right to life pro life other one is pro death babies can be killed any time so there is two platforms right to life no right to life second platform liberty of religion faith no liberty of religion here my second right to worship my god third is liberty to speak my heart out no liberty here we will cancel you three fundamental rights the platform is very clear which will you choose economics money prosperity stock exchange is irrelevant to the christian all that god takes care and he has shown it through the life of elijah you don't have to worry i'll take care of you but will you stand up for what matters to me that's the question god is asking the servants of god and the problem is the servants of god have become servants of baal servants of baal they are fighting for the wrong reasons and they're not actually servants of god If you look at yesterday's paper of one side the DNC side 200 religious faith leaders endorse Biden and if you look at those leaders the christian leaders in them if you you have to look at the leaders and study them who are endorsing them they are all part of the lgbtq group how can you be a christian leader and be part of that group we're not against the people but we are against what they stand for because our god stands against it So even if you look at the leaders who are endorsing each other you will see who's endorsing here who's endorsing there This is it's very clear it's very very clear it's very very clear you know very very clear and one of the most powerful moving moving voices that spoke was the wife of the retired police captain who was murdered during the see blm and all just names it is not blm it is nlm no lives matter to them literally they killed him and their live streamed it 
And he was a black man. Black man. And his wife, it is touching, it's moving. It's impossible. Your heart should be of stone if you didn't cry when you watched her speak. She just lost him a few weeks back, not even weeks back. And you're talking about racism in America. And here is a white wife of a black man crying. Okay, you're talking about, I mean, the ultimate breakdown of racism is when a black man marries a white woman. Ultimate breakdown. Okay. I mean, it's the ultimate breakdown of every wall. Okay. Every wall. And she's standing there and telling them, look at what they did. Okay, what they did. And you have to look at these pictures and say, are you blind? Are you blinded? Can you really see what is happening? And then after the RNC convention is so you have to see those pictures. Because those pictures and the videos are very clear. These are old people coming out. Why? You have to have some kind of semblance of respect for old people coming. Surrounded by mobs and the kind of words they What value does your cause have when it is only filth that is coming from your mouth? What, are you, what does your cause mean? What does your cause mean? Your heart is full of filth. Your mouth is full of filth. Your mind is full of filth. What cause are you fighting for? In Portland, if you need, if you, people do not understand what's happening, because the media covers it all. Very few media show it. The policemen are standing there being battered day and night. They throw missiles at them, frozen bottles, all that, okay. All that is there. That happens everywhere. It's not inexcusable. It's not to be tolerated, but along with it, for the first time, you hear what is happening. People, young people, this mob is coming with balloons and plastic covers full of human excrement and urine and throwing it at the cops. How kind of a sick mind you should be? What kind of a party are you? You see, God is exposing the DNC, saying, this is what you are, you are full of crap. Exactly what you are. I mean, it makes you feel sick. A generation has been taught to really poop and collect it in plastic covers and this thing and throw it what represents the government, the law and order, the cops. Ultimately, when you and I walk out, who represents the government to me? It's a man in the uniform. He's a man who represents the government. You look at what's happening on the streets and you realize, Lord, what is happening? Why am I troubled is because there are two things about Israel you need, about U.S. or human history you need to realize about. Because America is like Israel in so many ways. It is the last day's final nation. By the time it came to the time of Jeremiah, the word was given to Babylonian enslavement. Don't fight. It's over. So we will know only on number third, has God given them over? Or do we have four more years? We do not know. We do not know. Go over. Giving you over. So we are living in terrible times. Terrible times. And our job is to stand up and say, Lord, please. No, stand up and say, Lord, pastors, could you stand up and see? Men and women of Christians. No. Any Christian after these eight days in U.S., if he were to vote for a DNC, I would straight up say you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. I can understand if you abstain. I don't want to vote for either. I can understand that. But if you vote blue, you ain't a Christian because you haven't seen what is happening. God has made it up. We are 10,000 miles of it. so easy and clear to see 
the agenda is absolutely to destroy that nation. If they win and they take three houses, it's the end of U.S. So the agenda is very clear. People don't even understand. Even Americans don't understand politics. Most of them don't understand politics. They are fighting to get all three houses. Meaning if they get the Senate, they will immediately take the filibuster off. That means they need a simple majority to pass anything. They don't need two-thirds anymore. They're 60. They don't need. They have the Congress. They have the White House. The first thing they are going to do is they will make Washington, D.C. a state. They will get two more extra senators. That means the Senate is in their hands forever. They will make 11 million plus illegal aliens citizens. They will give them citizenship. Everyone will vote blue. America will never be red again. It's over. They're very clear. Made it very clear, the agenda. Unless you are blinded by the Baal message. This is what Baal does. Takes your eyes off from the kingdom of God and looks at what to eat, what to drink, health care. Once your freedom is gone, there's no meaning in any of these things. Meaning in it. That's what socialism does. That's exactly because I'm speaking as a young man who grew up in it for all my teenage years till 1989. I grew up under a communist dispensation and I know exactly how they function. I've seen that on the streets of my state. I've seen these same mobs who will come around you and make ask you to lift your hands and shout with them. I've seen it all happening. This, this simple communist playbook, this is how they do it. Okay, And we're looking at it. The worst dispensation in human history is not any religious persecution. It is the Marxist communists. They are the worst. They have killed more people in this from the time of Karl Marx till today. They have killed more people, that ideology, than all religious persecution put together. And all the world was put together. That's the truth. They actually made mock guillotines. Remember in the French Revolution, that's how they were executed. One outside the White House and had a, or, um, President Trump's doll to cut his head off, and one outside the richest man, Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon founder's house, they had it. Still people are not seeing. People are not seeing. And they will do it. If they get power, they have done it everywhere. There's not a single country when they had absolute power, they did not do it. There is not a single country in the world when the communists have taken over control. They haven't done that with their enemies, executed all of them. Executed them, all of them. And we are looking before us. And God is saying, are you still halting between two opinions? Are you still looking for, or will you, even you are not a U.S. citizen and you are outside U.S., don't you realize you need to get into your prayer closet and pray like you never prayed before? Lord, 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 have mercy, mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord, if this nation falls, then there is no voice to speak for us. No voice to speak for us. And it's as simple as that. There is no U.S. president in history, recent history, who has been so much for the church and liberty of religion, like him, never, and pro-life, two things. And those are things that matter to me, pro-life, pro-liberty for religion, and free speech. I want only these three things. Don't kill the babies, please. Not abortion, adoption. Don't kill the babies. Give it to us. Don't kill them. 
And second is, please give me the freedom to preach the gospel of God, the greatest message ever given to man that can save you from the beginning till the end. Give me the freedom to speak. And please give me the freedom to worship my God. Let me worship my God freely. We don't ask for anything else. The rest my God will give. But this is my three demands from any government. And that's what governments are for. And when we see that, if you still do not see, and you're gonna, you're going to, you're going to vote on other issues, all I can tell you is that you ain't a Christian and you don't know what is coming for you. No. And all these pictures are there in the Bible. Let's go to the book of Hosea, chapter 7. And the Christians in India do not know if that nation falls to communism, what will be the end of us. <laughs> then there will be right-wing governments here. They don't even have to worry about no sanctions, nothing. No amnesty international, no human rights. Nobody will be bothered what they do with us. Mobs will come and shut us down. And people do not realize, those who are hearing online around the world, they do not realize, we have experienced the mob ourselves. I mean, I was protected that day, but Pastor Vijay was there. Or a false, this thing, which had nothing to do with truth. How many of them came and attacked our orphanage at that time? 200 of them. They came in tractors. They were brought with all their, this thing. They came. They were told they are converting. Didn't they come? They came. The cops couldn't do anything. And a couple of you, I think Pastor Vijay also got one. They hit him also. They hit him also. You couldn't do anything as a mob, just in a girl's home. <laughs> Children, girl's home. I wasn't there, my wife wasn't there. We know what a mob is. And we know when a mob goes crazy, you cannot stop them. And that's what they're doing in all the cities, asking the police to stand down. And don't do anything. It only empowers the mob. That day, of course, we had help. Cops came. Undercover cops came, pushed them off before much, but a couple of, two or three of them got beaten. Pastor Vijay got beaten. Pastor Eric got beaten. Pastor Vijay, so two of our pastors were glorified those days. <laughs> Shared in a curve. But that's what the mob does. And of the people who came, those 200 plus people who came, nobody had any clue what was happening. They were just sent to beat us up. <laughs> that's the funny thing. Let me tell you how, how mobs operate. I, for, I forgot the girl, lady's name. There is this law, there is this law. That law has been um, taken back, I think. Breonna Taylor, okay? This is the lady. It is meaning you can uh, enter without knocking. In certain cases, the cops can. So what happened? The cop entered, the cops entered into the wrong house and shot and killed a lady. Her name was Breonna Taylor or something, okay? That's what this thing. So when Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul and his wife were coming out, they had to go through all the ways and they tried to cross this mob came and they were shouting at him to say, shout Brianna Taylor, shout Brianna Taylor. And he, he's trying to escape with them. The police is trying to guard him. And the stupidity of that mob, mob is that they do not realize he's the author of the Brianna Taylor bill in the Senate to see that the police can never do that again. And what are they shouting for and what has he fought for? That is the stupidity of the mob. <laughs> okay. This is what happens. This is what happens. And that's where we have to be very, very careful because America is very, very important in prophetic history for me. The last Christian nation standing. If you go to Hosea chapter 7 and verse 1. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered. 
for me prophetically i may be wrong but i always thought israel is there then the tribes were dispersed and we are talking about spiritual israel there is joseph and then there is uh, manasseh and ephraim for me always manasseh was britain and then ephraim came up america the twin brothers so you see when when brexit took place manasseh and ephraim are still together okay you can see those prophetic pictures i could be wrong but i always see america as ephraim and ephraim means literally means double fruitfulness i mean he the sun never set on the british empire but if you look at america's influence and power britain is nothing compared to us even in its zenith is nothing it's such a powerful mighty rich nation it is it was okay so i always see so when talk god talks about israel spiritual israel he says talking about spiritual israel is the church he says the iniquity of ephraim was uncovered and the wickedness of samaria for they have committed fraud a thief comes in and a band of robbers takes spoil outside okay now we have to look at it spiritually how these things matter turn with me to jeremiah 23 and verse 30 I have seen the folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied by Baal. They prophesied by Baal and caused my people Israel to err. Okay. This is the iniquity of Ephraim. The prophets of Baal are there in Samaria. And these are the prophets of Baal. But today they don't come as prophets of Baal. They come in the name of Jesus. What is Baal? Prosperity. They prophesied by Baal. and they cost my people israel to err to go wrong and what did they do if you go back to hosea they took the spoil outside the rob a band of robbers god calls these people a band of robbers they are literally that band of robbers they are that's what they do they rob god's people every month they will send them thou million newsletters saying the lord tells you send 10 dollars 50 dollars 100 dollars band of robbers they take the spoil outside is a prophets of baal i would have healed, healed israel but it is the iniquity of ephraim and all this started in us and continues in us even now okay matthew 13 yeah i think we looked at that 3019 did you look at 3019 If anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart this is he who received the seed by the wayside meaning they heard the word it was sown in their heart they heard the word it was sown in their heart the problem is this band of robbers will take all the satellite time and they will be waiting there with their prosperity gospel they will change the kingdom of gospel of the kingdom of righteousness of and holiness and fighting and overcoming and separate all that they will talk of and this band of robbers will come and they will prophesy through bal it is not that they did not hear it is not that the word was not sown in their heart it was sown in their heart so you will see on mount carmel for one true prophet of god there is 850 prophets of bal over there See, if they're all not brought together and they're allowed to do their first and then listen to me, then only the people are able to make a choice, no? But that's not what is happening now. 
That's not what's happening now. The wicked one has his false servants. We are not talking about other religions. Don't even worry about other religions. Other religions is not our problem. Our problem is our own religion. Christianity has been taken over by Baal. That's why I call them pastors by day and masters by night and they get mad at me. Mad at me. And we pray they ex- we get exposed and they get tormented. If you are not, why are you afraid? They will come into the churches and they have big, big churches. They will entertain. They will tell stories and they will prophesy and promise and they will promise you false peace. And right there, the word of God is being stolen from your heart. And God does not forget these things. Right? We saw on Thursday. There is only one way through the blood of Jesus. There's no other way. No, there is no other way through the Holy Spirit. So we have to ask this question, where are we? Go to Hosea chapter 7 again. Hmm? They do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own deeds have surrounded them. They are before my face. They don't consider their own hearts. The enemy has come and stolen the word of God from their hearts and he has put all these dreams. Hmm? Somebody was telling me this week, uh, they, they all have their doubts, so they'll come and say, Pastor, this is what happened. I said, what happened? No, this was a very well-known pastor. Somebody from abroad prophesied over him and said, from now onwards, you are an apostle. So now he's left his church and is going everywhere saying, I'm an apostle. And by mistake, somebody called him pastor. And he was very angry and was shouting at them, never call me pastor again, I'm an apostle. I said, if he said that, he's not. <laughs> that also came from America. The good, the bad, and the ugly all come from there, sadly. But the good also come from there. Some of the best in the world are also there. So the question is this. They do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own deeds. And what do they do? They make a king glad with their wickedness and the princess with their lies. The political and the religious have got in together. See? Did you see the political and the religious have got in together? They all got in together. They are all on one side. One part of Baal prophets and the political, they are all on one side. They make their king, their leadership glad with their wickedness and princes with their lies. They are all adulterous. Like an oven heated by a baker. He ceases stirring the fire after kneading the dough until it is leavened. Okay, we'll come back to that. Verse 5. In the day of our king, princes have made him sick, inflamed with wine. He stretched out in his hand with the scoffers. They prepare their heart like an oven while they lie in wait. Their baker sleeps all night. In the morning it burns like a flaming fire. You need to know what God is talking about. Okay? Let's go to verse 4. Okay, yeah. They're all adulterous. 
Now we need to realize this is talking about spiritual things. Okay? Spiritual. There are adulterers. Okay? Meaning, they have all gone into the world. Okay? What do they do? They have heated up the oven. Like the baker. Okay? And he's kneading the dough. Until the, it is fully leavened. Until it's totally, completely contaminated by sin. They have brought the world in. They brought the world in. And the world has entered into the church and completely filled up. It is Christ who was supposed to fill in the world. Instead, the world has got into the church and filled. Now you talk about anything about the world, your desire about the world, they have a prophecy for that. Even about your complexion, your eyebrows, anything, they have a solution for that. Everything. That's what the Bible is talking about. In verse 5, In the day of our king, princes have made him sick, inflamed. Every religious festival, Christian religious festival, if we are are supposed to have one, it's only about eating and drinking and celebration. And they sit with the scoffers and the mockers. The gossip session, the slandering sessions begin after that. It's only eating, drinking and make merry. We have appropriated all the pagan festivals. Right? Isn't that? Lent is supposed to be the most holy season. What is the day before it? Mardi Gras. The day before it. Just have a blast. Everything you can do, do. Verse 6. They prepare their heart like an oven while they lie in wait. The baker sleeps all night. In the morning, it burns like a flaming fire. Do you, you know what it means? You know what? They prepare their heart like an oven. Meaning in their heart, they are already planning tomorrow's programs. All the wickedness they have to do. And they are waiting. And their baker sleeps all night. But the oven is kept hot. Meaning through the night, their mind is only on the world. And in the morning, it blames like a flaming fire. Their mind is on the flesh and on the world. They prepare their heart like an oven. Not for God. Not for God. The heart is like an oven. It's on fire. Like an oven heated and kept through the night. Through the night. Micah said about it. He also said the same thing. Micah 2 and verse 1. Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. At morning light they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. That's what it means. In the night they are planning, thinking, 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 thinking. Five days, five months, I'm waiting for the lockdown to be eased. Planning, planning, planning. This night has become very long. You see, much of the COVID spread in U.S. also has because of their crazy parties. Crazy parties. The way that nation has, one side has gone down 
Okay. Has gone down. And the Bible is talking about woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. At morning light they practice it. Because it is in the power of their hand. God says, I made you wealthy. What did you use it for, Israel? I gave you prosperity like no other nation. What did you use it for? I made you prosperous like no other nation, America. What did you use it for? Let's go back to Jose. Chapter 7. We were at 6, right? They prepare. And the morning it blows. Verse 7. They are all hot. Like an oven. And they have devoured their judges. You see, when your heart is inflamed by the flesh or for the world, you lose the sense of judgment. You lose the sense of what is right and what is wrong. You lose it. They lost the judges. That's what God is talking about. This is a picture of the last days. Prophesied, spoken, new and old testament everywhere. And what happens? There is none among them that calls on me. There's nobody who's calling upon God. Hearts are inflamed. It's like an oven. The sin has the dove has reached. All night they're thinking and devising what will I do? What will I do? Devising new and new and new methods of looting or rioting or orgies or drunken parties. So it is like, that's what the world has gone into. I'm not talking about just one country. I'm talking about they have the power to do it. We don't have the power to do it. And those who have power to do it are doing it and dying also. Nothing is different anywhere in the world. Those who have the money go that way. And everybody is asking for prosperity. For what? Where will you go if God gives you money? What is the route you will take if God gives you money? It's a question God is asking. You know, and this is, we, we think this is only them. It's not them. Every nation is the same. In our country, it's very hidden. Nothing better. Okay? And they're all hot. His frame has mixed himself among the peoples. You know what a frame means? Frame means double fruitful. Fruitfulness. But he has mixed with the peoples. And he's a cake that is unturned. Meaning what? He's half-baked. Half-baked. That's what Israel has become. That's what the Christian nations have become. It's half-baked. You see, to be fully baked, you need to have two sides. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now they only love their neighbor. So homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, you talk about anything, it's passed across as love. Half-baked. The side towards God is raw. Untouched. That's what happened to the Christian world. Abortion. You name anything that is an abomination to God, Ephraim has become that. They fight for those rights. Fight for those. Those are now rights. Current rights are those. What is right? Right to kill your baby. Right to have any manner of sex. Don't tell me. Anything is a marriage. Anything. Anything is a man. No, they will. Because once you open that door, the definition of marriage is changed between a man and a woman. Then you cannot say it cannot be with 
And they used to laugh at India because of their, our pagan religion where girls were married off to trees and frogs and all. I mean, what are you doing? You are a Christian nation, right? Sir, at least God will have. That's why God told Israel. He says, on that day I will have more pity on Sodom. They did not know. They had pity on Nineveh. He said, they did not know. They don't know with their right hand from their left. He will have pity on our nations. Because they don't know. You guys are supposed to know. You guys are supposed to know. What are you doing? doing. And how can constitutionally, if the definition of marriage has been changed, like in many of the Latin American countries, they're fighting for it, that they want to marry their animals. You cannot stop me. Now let me ask you this question. Okay, you are, you are not marrying your animal. Okay, let us say when I die, I leave my property to my children. Right? My five child, I leave my inheritance to my children. But do you know in the US how many people leave their inheritance to their animals? So you're married to your animals anyway. When people die on the streets in US, drug abuse, living on the road, everything, they look there. Make a trust for their animals. God has blinded you. The blindness of Israel, spiritual Israel, is worse than the blindness of Gentile nations. Gentile nations were born blind. They became blind. Okay. They made God look like Baal. That's what they did. Verse 9. Aliens have devoured his strength. And he does not know it. He does not know it. Isn't it true? Who holds all your debt? China. China. You opened up a country and says anybody can come invest and buy and also who owns most of your real estate, the good estate? Japan, China. Even Disney is owned by them. NBA is owned by them. It's owned by them. But he does not know. (laughs) He does not know. He owns you. They own you. The communists own you. The Communist Party of China owns the Democratic National Convention. They own you. That's why they will not speak against them. Not one word in that entire four days was spoken against China. Not one word. And that's America's real threat. I always say Russia is not their threat. Russia has weapons. They don't have manpower. Their entire population around 50 million people. That's all their population. I think California has more people than them. You cannot be a real power with weapons alone. You need manpower. That's something China has. China is your, China is your enemy. And their ideology is dangerous. Ideology is dangerous. Vladimir Putin is there. But if he falls, Russia will collapse. You don't have an ideology supporting. Communism is gone in Russia. You need to realize it's a dictator over there. But the dictators can anyway, any day be taken out. But you don't have an ideology. China is a different thing. It's an ideology. It's a dangerous ideology. And you fed that ideology. You made them great. You made them great. And it was Joe Biden who brought them into the World Trade Organization and destroyed the world by getting China in. Should have kept that communist nation as they were so they wouldn't destroy the whole world. Now the whole world they are owning. Going and building, building, building and putting every African nation, every Asian nation into debt. They hold them. 
You did it. He does not know it. Aliens have devoured his strength. Yes, grades are here and there on him, yet he does not know it. America is aging. If you look at a nation, America is aging. America is aging. No. Losing its strength. Just literally like this is one man who is standing between their complete collapse or a few more years of mercy. It's aging. It's aging. Okay, you look at a nation. Our country is not aging. Oh no, more than 50-60% of this nation is full of young people. Not aging. Japan is aging. No young people anymore. So old people are growing. Nobody wants children. No. Nobody wants children. Nobody wants to get married. That's what God is talking about. So these are final warnings. Hosea chapter 13, 1 to 3. Hosea 13, verses 1 to 3. 1, 3. When Ephraim spoke, trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended through Baal worship, he died. He died. And now they sin more and more and have made for themselves molded images, idols of silver, according to their skill. All of it is a work of craftsmen. They say to them, let men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they shall be like the morning sun, like the early dew that passes away, like shaft flown from the threshing floor and from the smoke from a chimney. Go back. They said, this is what they did. Isn't that what they have done? The Christian nation. Britain is gone. They did it. Finished. There's no Christian voice anymore there. Germany is gone. France is gone. Italy is gone. Western Europe is entirely gone. Nothing there. They are no longer. They are into post-Christian era. All these nations have gone. Latin America was never Christian. They were Catholic. U.S. stands. Canada is gone. Canada is gone. Okay. Mexico is into witchcraft and in the hands of the drug dealer cartels. So there is in between stands one little nation, one big nation. But he exalted himself. Ephraim spoke trembling. He exalted himself in Israel. If you look at the whole world church as Israel, Ephraim. But he offended through Baal worship. The Freemasons came in. That's where Baal worship began. The Freemasons came in. In that pilgrim progress ship, it's that pilgrim, not pilgrim. That ship, Mayflower, they were there. They were there. The founding fathers were Many of them were FMs, but they were not very bad people. They were good people. They hadn't gone into the occult and all. They were good people. Founding these people do not know. See, Americans don't even know their history. <laughs> the parties, they don't know. Do you know who is the first Republican president? First Republican president? Abraham Lincoln. He's the one who freed the black. So what are they doing with the Democrat Party? The first Republican Party and president is Abraham Lincoln. Where are all the blacks? With those who enslaved them. How can you get blinded like this? How can you get blinded? That's why Trump keeps on saying, I have done the most for the blacks after Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln gave them emancipation from slavery and he's trying to bring emancipation from financial slavery. Economic emancipation. You need both to be able to stand on your feet and make your own decisions. Think about it. 
I mean, you see history being played over and over, and I mean, you look at this, this is how Israel went down, this is how this nation is going down. Unless somebody stands up and stops it for a season, ultimately it will go down. But we need breathing space for the rest of the world needs. And Ephraim spoke. He exalted, but he offended through Baal worship. The Freemasons came in. The first ones were not bad people. They were all great people. They were all great people. America don't know their own history. You know what? They wanted to make George Washington the king. And he refused. They refused. Like Gandhi. Gandhi said no. He didn't want to become the prime minister or anything. Our old, see India's history is being rewritten now. Another generation, they won't even know who brought our freedom. How what great men of character they were. They had their own weaknesses and all. Leave all that. Look at their public policy. My job is to look at the public policy of a politician, not his private life. That's none of my, he's not a pastor sitting over there, he's a politician sitting over Look at our freedom fighters. What men they were. What men. Gandhi could have become anything he wanted. He refused to do anything. He said no. Refused. George Washington could have become anything. If I am right, he even refused a second term. If my memory is right, only one term. It could be wrong, but I think I am right. He refused a second term. Where would you get leaders like this? Where would you? Nadabur Putin is once his president, five years later he's prime minister, then he changes the constitution, again president, again changes the constitution, again prime minister. <laughs> Where would you? This, do you people, I mean it's your shared history. It's your shared history. We need to have a shared history. Yes, the British ruled over us for 200 years. 200 years. But we did not, when they left, they left in peace. We, we did not hate them. We did not hate them. Do you know the fact that when India became free, we did not have a president, we had a prime minister, and we asked the viceroy, the governor general, to continue for a few years. We had a British governor general and an Indian prime minister. Check your history. Check your history. And if I'm right, it is Lord Mountbatten. Lord Mountbatten. Okay. So America has a shared history. The white and black. You have a shared. You cannot change your history. You can just learn from it. And people don't even understand the Declaration of Independence. You know, the Americans talk about it, you know, when they all sign that. If when the, when a nation is signing their declaration of independence, what should be, in Hindi we say mahol, what should be the atmosphere of that hall? Excitement? Excitement? Incredible joy? No, it was pin drop silence. Everyone signed and walked out quietly because they knew they were signing their death warrant if Britain won. All would be executed for rebelling against the sovereign. Each one knew if they lost this war, they would be executed for declaring independence from the sovereign. That's the penalty. That's the penalty. They don't know their history. People don't know their history. No? They don't know their history. And you look at what's happening on the streets now. How literally a nation is being Brought down. Literally. Okay. And they're not fighting for black lives. They're not. They're trying fighting to bring socialism. It's not nothing to do with black lives. When is the last time we heard about George Floyd? From anybody's mouth. 
Nobody is talking about George Floyd. George Floyd is forgotten. It's over gone. It's got nothing to do with George Floyd. This is about communism. This is how the communists, communists need a cause. Once the cause comes, they will, I saw it through my childhood when I was growing up over there. The party was called SFI. Students Federation of India, the Communist Party. Peace hike immediately. Next day is bunt and buses are being stoned. They're all over there. The fellows who are throwing doesn't even pay fees. The guys who pay fees is sitting and studying. And they are breaking. But they just need a cost to create this agitation. To make people so miserable. So they will say, okay, only if we vote them in, we will have peace. And they come to power. That's what they are trying to do. Now they thought, now there's a little fear. They think they went wrong. They went, that's how they, that's how they do. That's how they do. The mob mentality. That's how communism works. Because in communism, there is no, there is no God. And there is no right or wrong. Remember, the end justifies the means. The end justifies the means. People do not realize. You had it over. This is Baal worship. And the Baals got in the free man. Then they all got on the Baal worship. There's a religious element to all this, okay? So God says, come out. Come out. The only one thing, you have to come out. Jose 13 and verse 12. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored. Bound up. Come out. No choice. You have to come out of this world. Revelation 18, 4 and 5. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Come out. Come out of the system. So there stands Elijah. And asking the people. And the people say, Nothing. People say nothing. You look at America, you walk through the streets, the people still say nothing. Black life movement support has come down from 65 at speak to 53. How many cities have been burned? Over a million people have already left in New York. I think New York City is gone. It will never come back. It's gone. It will never come back to its old. It's gone. City shining on the hill. That was U.S. It's on its last stages. If God does not give us them four more years. 18, 26 to 29. Yeah. They took the bull which was given them. They prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, hear us. There was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. So it was at noon. Eliza mocked them and said, cry aloud for he's a God. For he is a God. Either he is meditating or is busy or is on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. 
They cried aloud, cut themselves as they custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. My question to you is, what if there was a voice? Why was there no voice? Because God shut the heavens at the prayer of one man. That is the authority given to bind and to loosen. You have to pray. Christians who are listening have to pray. Those who are not fearful have to pray. Bind the voices of Baals and Baphomet. They will gather into their secret places. They will cut themselves. They will shed blood. They will shout. They will scream. They will wear all the robes and everything. They will do all their jugad. But nobody should rise. There should be no voice. And even if they hear a voice, it would be only voices, lies and confusion. God allows that also. He will bring confusion in the ranks of the enemy. And I believe that's exactly what he did in answer to God's children's prayer. You look at it. You have four days of DNC and four days of RNC. DNC means they have money and they have Hollywood. Every Hollywood star is with them except for one or two. Every celebrity, media, video, music celebrity is with them. Because he's all part of the Freemasonic Lodge, all the personalities. They're all with them. They got all the multi-billion huge companies, all these, you know, Microsoft. Everybody's on this side. They got the money. They got the talent. They got everything. And they put four days of such a horrible show. You looked at it. Our Yuhan can make a better project than that. Much better project than that. Sammy would excel. <laughs> you have to look at, why do you think it went up like that? You know, it's confusion. Actually, you felt like Joe Biden and Kamala, he receiving the nomination. Some streamers came from the roof. He was looking up confused. And I could say, is, is this for real? Oh boy. Is this for real? Who made such a terrible Production. Everybody from Zoom all coming over there. And then you had the RNC. RNC doesn't have talent. If you look at talent, is in the other side. But each day was better than the other. The presentation, the ambience, and the, I would call it testimonies. Every day there was a punchline. You could not help being moved. Alvarez, that um, Cuban immigrant from Florida, his final, I cried when he said, because it moves you and when you have lived in communist kind of systems and you know how these systems operate. When his last line, his father said, son, there's nowhere else to go. America is the only land that is free. For a minute, he said, his father told him many, many years ago, he repeated four days ago. Now you think for a minute and think for a minute. Can you think about any other nation on earth? which is still free. No. No nation. That's the only last free nation left where you can worship, where you can speak, and if you work hard, you can still become anything. Only one nation left on earth. Just true, even today. There's no other nation, not even this nation. Any nation on earth, you cannot. There's no nation left. Not even Britain. Britain, you cannot even preach on the roads. Christianity. You can preach Islam, you can preach any else, but you cannot preach Christianity. Only one nation left. Think about it. 
Think about it. And that's what confusion. They shouted, they screamed, they cut, and all four days rituals, everything must have been going, every witch, every wizard, everyone. If you look at this, this thing, on one side, witches and wizards are so busy. Whenever this, everybody is cursing this side. But nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. So you see spiritual battles actually taking place and God answering prayers because he says, you will not tell me I didn't show you it clearly to you. I made it very, very clear to you. So now you choose. You choose. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. And you have to pray that way for every nation. Lord, we are binding these powers and these principalities and these rulers and these strong men. So when these people call, Nobody will answer. Then they will hear your voice. They will hear your voice. Because there is a call going out. No? And then verse 30. See, till evening. He gave them all the time. Till evening. Then it was time for the evening sacrifice. Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Come near to me. We looked at it. And there is a call going out. Around the world, from the Spirit of God. Come, come. You cannot serve two masters. It is not possible. Jesus said it. You cannot serve God and the world. Serve God and the world. You cannot serve God and the world. I am not eulogizing President Trump or anything. I like him because he stands for the three things which I stand for, which I want. And if I look at all the presidents of which people, Americans don't know, if I'm right, my history right, of all the presidents of the United States, he's the only person who's not from political background or army background. He's the only person who was never into politics or government. From George Washington down to Obama, everybody was in the government, meaning in the Senate, congressmen or army. Everyone. He's the first guy outsider to come in. And they hate him. Obama became president. Eight years. He went out. Because of the White House and the Mahal which he created and all. By the time, in, in another two years, he'll be worth um, a few hundred million dollars. Netflix has signed and his book deals all because of the White House. But when Trump leaves the office, either this year or four years later, you will see he's the only president who actually lost his fortune. By the time he comes out, you will realize he's probably lost a couple of billion dollars by choosing to serve his country on one dollar. And you have to appreciate those things. He's not in there for power. What is what power? What do you want at your age? For power. He's not there for money. And what is that? He speaks out for. I appreciate. I want liberty to speak. I want liberty to preach. I want a liberty to worship and I want children not killed. I don't want children being killed. Leave the children alone, please. So people are there. And then he said, come near to me. It took till evening, three and a half years of famine and drought. Morning till evening of Baal worshippers shouting, screaming, cutting, no voice, so silence from the demonic realm. Then the man of God calls and they move. See how much hearts have been hardened? Hearts have been hardened. 
And scripture says, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. So what does it say? It does not say anywhere the altar of Baal was broken. It says the altar of the Lord was broken. No. Altar of the Lord was broken. And that's what God is talking about. The altar of the Lord is broken. They have pulpits all over the US, all over the world, everywhere, Nigeria, everywhere. What is preached? Baal is preached. Not Christ. Everywhere it is Baal that is being preached. The the pulpit of Baal is strong and going. God's altar is gone. And altars, please remember, altars were always designed for sacrifice, not for decoration. Right? So there are two questions you need to ask. First question, as a Christian, as a child of God, do I have an altar? Do I have an altar? Do I have an altar? The altar by necessity demands a sacrifice. Second question. Do you have a sacrifice? Because if God has to restore or extend his hand of mercy, there has to be an altar. That's where it begins. Israel is going to get a new lease of life. For many years. For many years. There will be an Elijah for many years. There will be an Elisha for many years. Elisha is going to get a new lease of life. See, it does not matter which king rules as long as the prophetic voice is not silenced. And nobody will dare to silence Elisha's voice. The issue comes when the prophetic voice is silenced. The issue came when Jezebel killed all the prophets of God and Elijah had to go into hiding. There's no voice. Let any king rule. The problem is the pulpit should not be silenced. That is the place from where life comes. So the question, two questions we need to ask is that, am I hearing God's voice? Because you hear it at the altar. right? Did we look at the altar any of these days? Did we look? No, no? Yeah, I don't remember. We're preaching so much. Yeah, the spiritual and the physical. The material world meets the spiritual world. Whether it is demonic or godly, there is an altar. And Romans 12, 1 says, offer yourself as living sacrifices. Sacrifice. Because I get so confused because I preach in Hindi, I preach in Nepali, and I preach in, huh? It was in Nepali, okay, not in English. Okay, see, Dr. Richard has become fluent in Nepali also. Our children during this pandemic has learned so many languages, no? God says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. But how can you offer your living sacrifice if there is no altar? Okay. Human history. The history of the fallen man begins at an altar. And you see that in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. It's implied over there. It is implied. It's not clearly mentioned, but it's implied over there. Man and woman have fallen. They have to be kicked out of paradise. But before they are kicked out, Scripture says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Death hasn't come in yet into the garden. Nothing has died there so far. So there has to be an altar. The first altar was made by God, not by man. The first set of animals died for man, was killed by God, if that's what the implication is. 
Then he clothed them and sent them out. So there was an altar. Human, mankind's redemption begins in the Garden of Eden through an altar. Through an altar. The first altar was not built by Adam or Eve or Cain or Abel. It was built by God, by Jesus himself. I believe it was two lambs. (laughs) Whatever it was. God himself offered as a type. I will offer myself. And I will clothe you. Right now it's animal skins, but I will clothe you in my righteousness. Okay? You don't have to go there, but in Genesis 4, there must have been definitely two altars. Cain's altar, Abel's altar. Cain offered his fruit of his labor, his hard work. Abel came by faith. So there was a sacrifice. And God accepted only one. Right? Only one. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7. Now we are taking a shift, okay? We have to repair the altar now. So far we try to make sure you are not standing between two opinions and I have hope, Americans, you have made up your mind, all you here. I know you will pass it on. And they will love me or they will hate me and that is the way a servant of God should be. (laughs) Should be never said he's tolerant. They should love you or they should hate you. Every man of God I see in the Bible, they either loved him or they hate him. And the people who loved him are very few. That's also a commendation. Okay. Okay. So now, we have made up your mind to one opinion. Only they can repair the altar. Please make sure. If you are still angering after the world and also want to go to heaven when you die, you can't build an altar. You cannot build it. You will be building the altar of Baal and God side by side. You can't do that. Only one altar will stand at the end. So you will see Noah we saw, right? First thing Noah does after the first lockdown, he came out, poor fellow. <laughs> okay. What is mentioned in the book of in the book of Genesis is that when he came out of the ark, imagine if you come out of the ark after months of lockdown with animals. I hope Noah had a mask. He needed a mask. The first cloth mask was worn probably by Noah. All these animals from two levels, floor one, floor two, opening it is all coming a one window to go out. All wearing masks. So this is nothing new. First lockdown, Noah's ark. Mask was worn probably by Noah and his family. And then the door is finally opened. What do you want to do? Lord, let me celebrate. Fresh air, fresh air. No, Bible says he built an altar built an altar and he sacrificed and scripture says God breathed that sweet smelling aroma of a man who worshipped God when he came out the first thing in sacrifice and made a covenant and we see about Abraham chapter 12 his first altar verse 7 Abraham appeared to Abraham and said your descendants I will give this and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him look, look listen to this God appeared to Abraham when he was first in the Ur of the Chaldeans. And then when his father died, he spoke to him a second time in Haran. There is no record of any altar in Ur or Haran. The altar is in the promised land. Meaning, the promised land in Abraham's life or Israel's life is the promised life to you and me. The blessing of Abraham promised is not Isaac, it is the Holy Spirit. Read your book of Galatians very clearly. This, through that seed, 
that seed will be blessed. That is Jesus Christ and the spirit of Jesus Christ birthed us. That is the promise of Abraham. So you will see Abraham has no altar in Ur. Abraham has no altar in uh, altar in Haran. His first altar is in the promised land. If you are living, even though you are born again or you have heard the voice of God, if you are living in Ur or Haran, caught between two opinions, you cannot have an altar. cannot have an altar. The altar begins when you start moving into the promised life. You have made up, I'm a man of one mind, no longer or no longer Haran. I have broken my links with flesh and I'm moving into God's appointed place. That's where the altar comes. Then God will meet you. It is not that he built an altar and offered a sacrifice and God met him. No, God met him and he built an altar. God is just waiting for you to come up one mind, one opinion so that he can come and talk to you. People are still halting between two opinions and hoping God will speak to them. God says, I cannot speak to a man. A double-minded man receives nothing from God. Until Haran, Abraham was a double-minded man and God could not speak to him. It is not that he's a perfect man. It's not that when you start, become of one opinion, you will not fail. It is not that you will not fall. You will not. No, you will fail. You will fall. But the difference is you have moved now into the life that Jesus came to offer. And you have an altar. And you start hearing. You know? And the place he built, if you know, it is Bethel. The house of God. You have moved now into the house of God. And then you know, testing comes. Okay? There is no test for the compromised man. Only guilt. No test. The man who is moved into the promised land or the promised life of Jesus Christ. He's being tested. What is being tested? The promised life is being tested. That's what is being tested. Do you believe what I said? Will you walk by faith? Will you stay by faith? Will you live by faith? He's being tested. Famine came. He goofed up. You all know the story. He goofed up. He told Sarah, tell you are my sister. She's taken. He sells his integrity, everything. Pharaoh is struck by God, rescues Sarah, he becomes very rich, he comes out. Okay, we know that much of the story. Now go to Genesis chapter 13. We will see what happens now. I like Genesis 13 verses 1 to 4. I said, I'll never stop learning from Genesis. Every time I study, God will show me something else, which I never saw. Abraham went up from Egypt. Okay, you go down to Egypt and you go up from Egypt. Whenever you go into the world, remember you are going down. So be sure God is with you. You don't want to go. You know, when you are on a slippery path and you are a child, you will always want to hold on to your father's hand so that you don't slip. Okay, when you go down into the world, please be sure you go down with God. Otherwise, you will fall. Be wise like Jacob. When he's going to Egypt, he stops at Beersheba and he says, should I go? And God says, go, I will go with you. And I will bring you back. And Joseph will close your eyes. Why does he say Joseph? Don't you have 12 sons? Because Joseph represents Jesus or grace. He's the 11th son after the law. Grace will shut your eyes. Don't worry. I'll bring you back. So when you go down to Egypt, be sure you're going down with God and not alone. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. What's the point? And he went on his journey from south as far as Bethel to the place where can I have a Navi? Navi is very nice. Navi is interesting the way. Verse 3. And in gold? Yeah, I can go to there. Verse 3. And Negev, he went from place to place. 
That's what happens. You goofed up. You're a man of faith. You will move from place to place to place to place. You can keep on moving. But until you come back to your altar and make reconciliation with God, you will not have peace. Until he came to Bethel. Kept on moving. And the Lord of people have goofed up. They will not come back to that altar and make peace with God. God is not there to condemn you. God is there as a God of reconciliation. He's there to forgive you and to restore you. But you need to come back to that altar. Come back to the cross. Scripture says he went from place to place to place until he came to Bethel. Where he had built his altar. And there Abraham called. Now it's not God meeting Abraham. Abraham has to call. If I have sinned, I need to go to God. Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now he has. Peace is restored. Okay. The devil sees his surrender. Oh, you're surrendered. You're back on track again. Oh, you repented. Let's see if your repentance is genuine or not. Verse 7. Test begins again. It's a different test now. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lord's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. Now the problem is not in the world. The problem is in the church. Between two believers. It's a different test. It's a completely different test. Fighting with your co-worker in the company and fighting with your brother in the church is a different thing. God says, let me see. You came to the altar and said, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender all. Let me see, did you surrender all or not? Didn't you see? Yeah. Now there is conflict. And all the Gentiles are around watching your testimony. That's what it means. Canaanites and Perizzites dwelt in the land. It's already mentioned earlier. Second time means, this is your testimony. Gentiles are watching two Christian brothers fight nicely. That is what the Gentile nations look. No, they are looking at DNC and they are looking at RNC. Are dono bol rahe hai? They are both saying they are Christians. One side says even till the time of birth babies can be killed. These people are saying babies shouldn't be killed. Are kisko Who will she be like? But these people are sitting at him. If you want to keep it, keep it. If you want to kill it, kill it. That's what pagans say. We have no opinion about it. Here are the two Christians sitting on both sides. Oh Lord. You look at two sides, and that's what God is talking about. Abraham and Lot. And who's the compromiser? Abraham is RNC and Lot is DNC. <laughs> Isn't it true? Isn't it true? Ultimately, did Lot end up in Sodom and Gomorrah? Isn't that where DNC has reached? Hostile, homosexual mob is banging at Lord's door. Isn't that what's happening now? The mobs are on the streets. Aren't they all DNC? Isn't it? See, they can't do anything to me. (laughs) So let somebody speak for my dear genuine brothers in America. Isn't it true? God is saying, what will you do? Which will I go? When you came to the altar a second time, did you deny yourself or yourself being propped up again? What will you do? This is your test. Did the altar work? I saw you at the altar. I heard your cry. I saw your tears. Now you got up and gone. And I allowed this test so that you will know whether your surrender was real or not. Did the altar do its work? You are supposed to offer yourself as a sacrifice. I saw the lamb you offered. But I don't want a lamb. I want you. I want you. 
I want you. I want you. And verse 8, you realize this man has, the altar has worked. Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife. Please let there be no strife. We are brothers. We are brethren. This, this prosperity is all temporary, right? Has anybody taken anything to heaven? No. Nobody can take anything to heaven. It's all temporary. What are you fighting over? You choose. He gave him first choice. So let's leave that. Right? Then something happens. Verse 14. After Lot has chosen, and he'll go, 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 go into darkness. That's the first choice from there, a series of choices. After Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abraham, we have heard it over and over again, but please remember, certain people, even if they are Christians, part of your church, part of your family, until they leave, you will not hear clearly from God again. Because they themselves are a stumbling block in your life. They are compromised believers. That spirit of compromise has to go before God can speak. And it doesn't matter who you are. Before Abraham can hear from God, Lot has to depart. As soon as Lot departs, God says, I have stuff to tell you. And the Bible says in John 30 and verse 31, as soon as Judas left, Jesus said, I am glorified. I am glorified. And then he starts telling the crux of his message, which he had never spoken for three and a half years. The entire doctrine of the Holy Spirit comes to us through Jesus' own mouth after Judas has left. He has to go. Then we get. You look at the entire teachings of Jesus Christ after the Sermon on the Mount. It is from this verse onwards to the end of chapter 17. The entire teaching. You know why? Because flesh had to go. And that's what God is talking about. Lift up your heads and look left, north, east, west, south, everything. All that is you is for your children. Your descendants will inherit it. And what's true, one day the descendants of Abraham, the spiritual children of Israel, the meek will inherit the earth. And verse 17 and 18. Arise and walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. He's given purpose. So far he has lived in the promised land, you have the promised life of Christ, you're overcoming sin, you're doing good in your job, your relationship seems all to be okay, but you still do not know what's your purpose in life. Still, there are a lot of Christians like that, they're very good members of the church, but you ask them what's God's purpose, they don't know. They don't know. They're living good, righteous life, like Lord, without purpose. Purposeless life. And God tells him his purpose. Get up. Arise, walk in the land. And scripture says, Abraham moved his tent, went in and dwelt by the terebin trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to thee. See, his first altar was at Bethel. That becomes the house of God. You come to the house of God. You hear the word of God. There is sacrifice in your life. There is surrender in your life. But there is no purpose in your life. But when purpose comes, you move from Bethel, the house of God, to fellowship with God. That's what Hebron means. Now you are fellowshiping with God. That's a different altar. That's a different experience. It's not the same altar. It is not the altar. He has moved spiritually from Bethel to Hebron. And God is asking children, have you moved? You're going to the house of God. You may be going for 40 years, but have you moved to Hebron? Have you moved to Hebron? 
Have we moved to a personal fellowship with God? Because you are in the house of God, does not mean you cannot be destroyed. Does not mean you cannot fall away. The safe place is Hebron. Safe place is Hebron. Because now, you are an individual part of the house of God connected to the head. Connected to the head. Our purpose is revealed. You know your purpose. It's a new dimension that is added. Hebron actually means joined to. Joined to whom? To God. Hebron. Okay? So you see something happens in Hebron. John, so you don't have to go there. Genesis chapter 14 is the war. Right? Genesis chapter 15, God speaks to him. Right? Genesis chapter 16, God speaks to him. Genesis chapter 18, God speaks to him. Revelation after revelation after revelation of God. Why? Because he's dwelling in Hebron. God is speaking to in John chapter Genesis chapter 15, doesn't he come in and says, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Come here. This is how you are so depressed because you have been locked down in that tent for a long time. Come here. Come out and breathe free air. I am not Biden. I am more like Trump. Come here. Okay. You don't have to wear a mask. Look up. Be free. Breathe free. You got this tunnel vision. Look up. Do you see? Can you count the stars? No. That's how your children will be. Let's make a covenant. That's Genesis 15. Why? Because he's dwelling in Hebron. Genesis 17. Abraham, walk before you. He made a goof up, but still hearing from God. Walk before me and blameless. Circumcision is instituted. Circumcision is instituted. Before Isaac is born. For our sake. For our sake. Otherwise, Isaac would have been born and then God comes and institutes circumcision. Then only the circumcised become the children of Israel. But because the circumcised before Isaac is born, both the Gentiles and Jews become the children of Israel by faith. By faith. Otherwise, only the circumcised become the children of Abraham for our sake. Right? Genesis chapter 18. God comes and tells him, Abraham, next time this year, he had a nice khana and all, beef, biryani, everything. He had beef. I'm sorry, Indians, but beef. It was beef. It's written a calf. God likes beef. Okay, sorry. Uh, my God likes beef. It's written in the Bible. He had a good meal. And then he said, next year, according to the time of the woman, you shall have a son. Shall have a son. All why, why? Because he lived in Hebron. Hebron is some completely different thing. Different thing. Then he falls. With Abimelech, like he fell in Egypt. Go and see the narrative in Genesis 20, verse 1 and 2. When he falls. And Abraham journeyed from there. And now Abraham said to Sarah, Did you see that? Who asked you to move from your altar? Who asked you to move from your place of fellowship with God? That's why you fell. Did God ask you to move? 
Why do we fall? Because we move from the place of fellowship with God. We leave that altar unattended. And we feel immediately you go, fear comes in. Sarah, Sarah. All these years there was no fear. You moved from your appointed place. Stay at your altar. So when you, we can't just repair the altar until, until we understand the significance of altar in the Bible. The spiritual significance. How great men of God either stood there strong because they had these experiences with God at their altars, which is a praying place for us in the new covenant. You hear from God. Or they fell because they moved from those places. And you moved from Hebron. Place of fellowship. Where you were joined with God. You are not supposed to. You and I are not supposed to move from Hebron. You are supposed to stay there. Joined with God. Right? Then Joshua will come and capture Hebron and give it to Caleb. It will become one of the sanctuary cities. Right? David will be crowned in Hebron. He will rule there for seven and a half years. And before he moves to Jerusalem, he is crowned as all king of all Israel at Hebron. You cannot be crowned king in Bethel. You can be crowned king only at Hebron. Only a man who has fellowship with God, unrelenting fellowship with God, continuously with God, will they one day be crowned because he hears from God. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. You can't take these pictures out. You can't take these things out. These are the things which you are running for. When Paul talks about a race, it is a spiritual race. These are the things we are after. And to people who are sitting between two opinions, people who have not moved towards Elijah, who is the voice of God, no, Jesus said, it is not that you cannot come to me, you are unwilling to come to me to be saved. Not that you cannot. You are unwilling. You are caught between two opinions. Still hoping the pandemic will go away and I can go back to the world and prosper. God shut down, is giving people time to sit back, listen, hear me. I will speak to you, my purpose. And you can build another altar. Okay, all these years you were in Bethel. That's not enough son to come through, daughter to come through what is coming on the world. You need an Hebron experience. You need an Hebron experience. Otherwise you will not survive. You need to hear it. You need to have your personal altar. where You are joined with God. You hear from God. He will tell you your purpose. He will show you your future. He will show you your separation. And he will show you your next generation. All happened at Hebron. It doesn't happen at Bethel. It happens at Hebron. But we all know he will have one more altar. That's at Moriah. One more altar. Genesis 22 and verse 9. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. This is his final altar. This is not Hebron. In Hebron, he had joined with God. In Moriah, he'll become one with God. This is your final altar, where you have kept nothing away from God. You know Christ is in you and you are in Christ. Christ is all in all and I have kept nothing from him. And that altar is where we have to end.
have to begin at Bethel. But end at Moriah. This is how James will put it. James chapter 2, verse 21 to 23. Was not of a father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Lord, I thought I was justified when I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. God says, yes, you were. Positionally, I put my son in you. And then what does this mean? This is where my son grew. Let everything grow to the full measure of Christ. So that Christ will have preeminence in all things. This is where it happened, he says. Do you see, faith was working together with his works. And by works, faith was made perfect. And scripture was fulfilled. The other was the prophecy. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for and he became friend of God. He became friend of God. Remember? After everything is over, Judas is left. After he's taught them everything, he says, I no longer call you servants. You are my friends. For three and a half years, he never called them friends. Now you are my friends. Abraham became God's friend. That's what God is talking about. God, I covered. We, are, we, we are not getting into because now I get into Isaac, then we will have to. Isaac is a different man altogether. Hmm? Do we have time? Hmm? Have time? Okay. <laughs> only, only in GTC will hear all this, okay? Others will be looking at their watch. Okay. Then, because these people are different, their altars are different. The altars are not the same. Because their life experiences are not the same. So we have to learn from each of these forefathers. Isaac is a man of peace. He's the only man in the entire, uh, um, patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the sons. He's the only patriarch who will never leave the promised land. He's born there, he lives there, he dies there. He never steps out of the, of the, so his life is different. His life is something which we should aspire for. I want to always stay within the promised life for Lord and not leave it. And you know what? His life is defined by wells. And one, one altar. Defined by wells and one altar. Okay. He was the, Envy of the land. In Genesis 26 you will see from 14 onwards. Envy of the land. He, he, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. You see, if you ask uh, prosperity preachers who's your favorite character, they will say it's Isaac. No trouble and full of money. <laughs> No? Trouble? I said, that's a good, that's a good desire. And my question to you, brother, is this, what is the word I ask him? Do you know Isaac's life begins from the altar? Abraham's life ended on the altar. This guy's life begins from the altar. To a man like that, God can give anything because it will not touch him. This is a man who has come back from the death. He's literally resurrected from the dead. If God hadn't spoken, his father would have killed him. His life doesn't begin 
in the world. His life doesn't begin in the house of God. His life doesn't begin in Moriah. His life begins one with God on the altar. Everybody talks about Abraham. What about Isaac? On the altar, looking up into his father and the knife. No struggle. No struggle. No fighting his father's will. Like Jesus on the cross. No struggle. No fighting the will of the father. Hanging there between heaven and earth. And here is another boy hanging there between heaven and earth. Young, strong, strapling teenager. So he begins at the altar. And everybody is envious of him. Come to verse 15. Keep scrolling, yeah. Now, Philistines had stocked up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham and they had filled them with earth. You need to realize his father had dug many wells and the Philistines will come and fill it. And what is Isaac's generation's next generation job is to come and unearth it so you get those fresh waters again. So Jude will say, once and for all this faith was handed over, content for it. Every generation has to find the doctrine of the apostles again. Because there are so many Philistines around who will fill it with earth. Fill it with earth. Okay? These are the fresh living water of God. They will fill it with earth. Earth is flesh. Dust unto dust. They will fill it with earth. They will fill it with the world. So you will never see it until you dig. Isaac's ministry is to keep digging. And digging. And digging. Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than me. They don't fight. He doesn't fight. Isaac departs from there. Pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after death. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Okay, meaning the doctrine doesn't change. Doctrine doesn't change. Because God doesn't change. So I dig it, okay, I will call it by a new name. New reformed church? No. Reformed church. (laughs) The minute you had new no? Bavarchi and new Bavarchi. Green Bavarchi, new green Bavarchi. <laughs> Same name as my father called him. I am that. I am. I do not change. Same name. Same name. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley, found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdmen saying, the water is ours. So he called them by the name of the well, Isaac. What did he call it? Which means dispute. Dispute. He doesn't fight. No, that is my doctrine. Have it, brother. As long as you use it, I am very happy. That's why we upload everything and says, you can preach from all my message. Don't even give me credit. It doesn't bother me because it is not mine. You don't have to send me an offering. You don't have to send any of us anything. Just use it and preach it the ends of the world. You can take it. No copyright. No copyright. Please use it. You hear about preachers fighting over copyright and everything? Nonsense. As if, if, if it's, either it is your work, it's worth nothing. If it's revelation, it's not your work. It's not work. Take it. No issues. No issues. He dug another well and they called over it, that one also. So he called it what? Opposition. Okay. He moved from there. Why are you opposing me? You took two members from my church. I, your brother, I'll move a little more farther. Okay, please, we'll do as much separation as you want. (laughs) 
these are common things in churches. You know, this is part of church history. <laughs> okay. So you need to realize Isaac's life. Okay. He walks away from strife. He walks away from opposition. He walks away. Why? God has blessed me. Nobody can curse me. But God has given. Nobody can take away from me. Wherever I go, I am blessed. I'm not going to fight for these things. I'm not going to fight for these things. And he moved from there, dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth. Because he said, now the Lord has made room for us. We shall be fruitful in the land. Rehoboth means God has made room. Most Christians get satisfied here. Thank you, Lord. No strife, no opposition. We have room. I am okay. You are okay. We are okay. Thank you, Lord. We live at Rehoboth. And most Christians who have moved have settled down in Rehoboth, not Isaac. Not Isaac. Isaac. He went up from there. Imagine if he had stayed at Rehoboth. Because when he moved up to Beersheba, the Lord appeared to him. God is looking at this as, you are satisfied? I am not satisfied. You are satisfied? So many people are satisfied with their uh, walk with God. It doesn't matter whether I am satisfied. The question is, is God satisfied? <laughs> oh, there is room for every one of us. Hallelujah. Lutheran church here, Baptist church here. We are all happy brothers. We will have pastors fellowship. Are you going to move forward? Are you satisfied with this fellowship and pastoral fellowship and this fellowship and there is somebody waiting for you further ahead? Are you going to move forward? Yes, you have enough room for you. But you are not going to meet him. He went up from there to Beersheba and scripture says the Lord appeared to him exactly the way he'd appeared to Abraham. When he came to Bethel, God appeared to him. God appeared to him. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you. Multiply your descendants for my servant, Abraham's sake. Now what does he do? So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. There Isaac's servant dug a well. I don't know whether I preached this in Nepali, Hindi or English. I don't know. Telugu Pastor Vijay. Did you see the order there? God appeared to him and he built an altar. He pitched a tent. Then only he dug a well. We don't do that. We first dig a well. Water here to either hang If there is water, I will stay here. Otherwise, I'm not, I'm moving from here. Well is your source of provision. If I get a job, I will stay in Hyderabad. But God spoke to me in Hyderabad. It's true. God called me in Hyderabad. And I have worked in Hyderabad only for six months in the secular. The rest of the time I have stayed here because this is where he spoke to me. All the other places where I actually worked and earned my own salary, I had to leave. He is the only place I have lived all my life by faith. This is the place where he spoke to me. So I pitched my altar here. We won't do that. We'll dig for a well first. That's not what he did. He built his altar first. Because this is where God appeared to me. This is where he called me. This is where he set me apart. This is where he gave me the promises. So, he's not looking at the scenery, how great this land. It is all that is irrelevant. The only thing one that matters in your life is, where did God speak to you? Where did God give you your promises? Pitch your tent there. Build your altar there. Pitch your tent. 
Very dark as well. If God has spoken to me there, definitely there is provision there. Amen. Amen. God cannot speak to you in a barren land where he won't provide. Even if it's such a land, he will bring the provision to you. Bring the provision to you. Because Lord, I want to dwell in a place where I hear from you. Want to dwell. And that's where he, what he did. He built his altar. Built his altar. He pitched his tent. Then he dug his well. It's interesting what happened after that. His enemies came. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with with Auzat, one of his friends, and Fikol, the cam- uh, commander of... Fikol is the one who invented Fikol. <laughs> I just have to crack all this way. My wife says your warped sense of humor never goes. Okay. 27, commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and I have sent me away from you? Send me away from you? But they said, you, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there be now an oath between us, between you and us. Let us make a covenant with you. 29. You will do us no harm, since we have not touched you, since we have done nothing to you, but good have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast. They ate and they drank. Wait there, okay? Now we read 25, but that's not how it actually happens in that order. Okay? He made his altar. Made his altar. Pitched his tent. The enemies come. He has a feast. He eats everything. So now he's at peace with God and peace with man. And then, verse 31. <clears throat> then they arose early in the morning, swore an oath with one another. Isaac sent them away. They departed from him in peace. It came to pass the same day the Isaac servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. He has not dug yet. Okay. Not dug. And verse 30. Yeah, 33. So he called it. Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Beersheba means seven wells, a well of oath. It can mean anything. Okay. Sheba. Okay, seven. Well of oath or well of seven. That's where you reach your, what you call seven is the number of perfection. Okay. Now, what does this mean to us? Revelation chapter 3, 8 to 10. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. No one can shut it. For you have little strength. Kept my word. I have not denied my name. This is Isaac. He doesn't fight. Wherever he goes, there is an open door. The wells will immediately spring with water. Okay? You have never denied my name. You are a man of peace. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but and lie. Indeed, I will make them and come and worship before your feet to know that I have loved you. Your enemies will come to you. And make peace with you. Isaac's enemies came and made peace with him and said, please, we don't want to fight with you. Verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on you. I'll keep you from trouble. That's coming. Because you have kept my command. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. 12 and verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness with which no one will see the... That's so. Peace with God. Peace with man. Well of seven. He reached. And he stays there. At Beersheba. 
stays in patient. So all these altars have significance. All these altars have significance. Why is this so interesting? Why is this all important? Because we began with Ephraim. Because we have to make it connect to the times in which we are living. Because the problem with Ephraim, remember? Let's say chapter 7 and verse 11. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without sense. They go call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. He's also called double fruitful. Exceedingly fruitful. But he's silly dove. Silly dove. Now you cannot be a silly dove. A dove is a symbol of peace. Symbol of peace. No? Symbol of peace. You can't be a silly dove and make silly decisions. Because Ephraim is like that. And 417 of Ephraim. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Leave him alone. If you go to Assyria and Egypt, that's what will happen. He'll be joined with idols. Leave him alone. You see, Ephraim was the one who was blessed, put ahead of his elder brother. He was the one who was blessed, but he was put away. We're talking about double blessing, okay? Now we come to Second Kings, chapter 2, verse 2, as I close. Chapter 2, verse 2. Because these are all pictures. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. Elisha said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. You know, here is Ephraim who was blessed with double fruitfulness who will be put away. Here is somebody who will never leave Elijah's side and when he is about to depart, you ask him, what do you want? I says, I want that double blessing. One was blessed, the other sought. That's what Jesus meant. The last will become the first. And the first will become the last. One was blessed. It was put away. Because his heart is joined with the idols. The other sought it all the way and said, I will not leave you. And when he asked, what do you want? I said, I want that double portion. So Elijah's ministry, you have to look at the significance of it. Which way nations will turn? Which way history will turn? We will not know. We will not know. And we have to be very careful. We understand the spiritual pictures and say, Lord, I don't want to be joined with the wrong one. I'm going to seek you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to have my altar and I'm going to be one with you. I want to be joined with you. Because you can be blessed and be put away. And you can seek with all your heart and get it all. Right? Manoah's wife was told, the boy in your womb, this is what you should do. This is what he is chosen. He is going to be anointed, everything, and he was put away. He was put away. He was blessed. There was no other kid like him other than Jesus Christ, whose birth is prophesied with so many great things. And the mother's womb had to be prepared to birth this boy. Put away. Put away. Blessed and put away. And there was another woman whose womb was barren. She was not blessed, but she sought she sought the Lord with the brokenness of the soul and said, Lord, if you touch my womb and give me a son, I will give my son over to you all the days. So that was Samuel. 
And he is the blessed one in Israel. Okay, so you look at all these pictures. And you get this frame very, very clearly. You cannot halt between two opinions. You have to make a move. And when you make a move towards God, you have to check your altar. That's where everything happens. It doesn't matter what all other things go in life. Your altar should be intact. That's the place where God meets you. As long as you have heard from God. If you look at Jesus' life from the time he appears in public till the time he is taken, you will see he moved from place to place to place to place to place to every day was different. There was only one thing that was constant in his life. The altar was always there. He prayed, he heard. Everything else was moving. That's the only constant you and I need in our life. It is God. And you meet God at your personal altar. At your altar. And if there is an altar, there is a sacrifice. And God is asking for a sacrifice. It's you and me. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So before we even start repairing, we need to come near. Come from one opinion, two opinions, to one opinion. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Come to the eighth month, it's over. Next time when we gather here, oh Father, the ninth month would have begun. We do not know what you have in store for us. But that's the month of pregnancy. That's the month of a new birth. That's the month when you bring forth new things. And I pray, Lord, all those who believe, all those who have been waiting, this ninth month, they will bring, you will bring forth something in and through us that is different. I pray let there be an expectation in the hearts of people. Because God cannot do anything in the hearts of people who don't expect anything, Lord. Birth and expectation, oh Lord. Birth and expectation in the hearts of people, Lord. This ninth month, even for President Trump, I pray, I pray, Lord. Let him expect great things from you. Let him be a man of prayer, Lord. Let him get into that closet. Let there be an altar, a spiritual altar in the White House. Let him offer himself, Lord. You gave him everything the world desires, everything flesh desires. You gave him everything. He lacks and lacks nothing. But now, Lord, speak to him. Let him offer himself to you. That he can bring his country back to God as a leader, as a leader, so that the rest of us also can rejoice. God has given us time to bring people into the kingdom, to repair the lives, restore the lives of those who have fallen away. Biden is not going to do that. They're going to be the most hostile dispensation if they come to power against the church. They hate the church with a perfect hatred. So we pray, Lord. We stand in the gap. We pray for him. We are not asking for any tax cuts or anything. We are not interested in any of those things. All we are asking is, Lord, the next administration will be in his hands. Lives of babies will be saved. Freedom to worship. And freedom to speak in the public forum. What we believe without being silenced and without being cancelled. Pray, Father, we pray for him. Lay your hands upon him. Let his eyes be opened. Let him also not falter between two opinions. Let him take one step towards you, Lord. 
that man takes one step towards you, this whole world will be shaken. Let him take one step towards you. I pray for all your true servants, Lord. There are so many, Lord. A few Elijah standing up like John MacArthur. A few prophets hidden in the caves. 7,000 whom nobody knows. There are a lot of true servants, Lord. But they are fearful. And I pray, Lord, you would anoint them. And strengthen them. That in an hour and a time like this, Lord, your servants will stand up and speak to their own people. Speak to their own people. And I pray, Lord, the eyes of the so-called Christians in U.S. who actually call upon your name, who have two altars, maybe Baal and Yahweh, but who also call upon their name, they will make this decision. Even here in India, in Hyderabad, in our own church, those who are still straddling between two altars will make a move towards you. Because the word is still going out, come near me. Come near me. And they will start repairing the altar in their lives, in their homes. Oh Lord, we know the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of Noah, the God of Moses, the God of Gideon. How God will meet his people where there is an altar and where there is a true sacrifice, a selfish sacrifice. God will meet his people and speak to them. Give them a new vision and a new purpose and a new strength. You're not a God who just takes. You're a God who gives. You did not give Isaac. Take Isaac on the altar. You instead gave Isaac back and gave your son on the altar. That's who you are. Let no man who is hearing, no woman, no child fear to give to you. Because you are no man's debtor. You are a giver from the beginning till the end. You are a giver. Make us like you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with us through this week, through this coming month. Go before us, Lord. We have not gone this way before. Go before us, Lord. We take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We bind every work of Baal and Baphomet and every power of darkness operating over this land, over U.S., over your people, over your church, over our families. We bind it in the name of Jesus and we pray every servant of Baphomet will either come out of the circle or they will perish. You have opened the circle. You are letting people who want to be free to walk free. And I pray they will walk free. The time of indecision is over. They have to make up their choice. They have to make up their mind. I pray they will come out and not be destroyed when the wrath of God is poured upon the earth. People will come out. People will come out. We come against this pandemic which is spiritual and real. We come against it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, especially over U.S. because this is all got to do with November. We take authority. We bind that strong man over U.S. in the name of Jesus, and I pray your healing hand. Elijah saw, Elijah's servant saw a little hand rising, a cloud like a little hand, and I pray the hand of God will rise over and move the spirit of death and depression, addiction over from that land, O oh Lord. Move it, Lord. Move it, Lord. Move it. Move it, Lord. That there will be healing and deliverance and restoration and salvation in that land, Lord. Churches will be revived. Pastors will be revived. Families will be revived. And we pray for our land too. For our land, all we can pray is have mercy, mercy, mercy. 
Awesome darkness have taken over. But you are a God of mercy. If you had mercy on Nineveh, you will have mercy on India too, Lord. Touch this land. Bless this land. Have mercy upon this land, Lord. Let there be an opening of eyes here too, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Come in GDC Hyderabad. All our churches into thy hands. Ninth month. Let there be an outpouring of your spirit, Lord. More. Let there be even more thirsty people come and drink of the river of life, O Lord. Ninth month will be greater. More blessed than the eighth month, O Lord. Fill the church, Lord, with your spirit. From the little one to the oldest ones, Lord. Everyone, Lord. We bring to you. Commit them into thy hands. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. 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 God bless you.